Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. I have a little beef to pick with Mr. Clooney, who was on our show for three seasons, who I have amazing stories about, who Facts of Life, at the time he was doing it, transformed him, meaning yes. he paid his rent for a year. He was a working uh, actor. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. And I understand. But you know what? I'm so taken aback sometimes when I hear him diss his experience, because yes, it was not our ER, this dramatic, famous, fabulous thing, yeah. but he was funny. He was darling, and if memory serves, we had a blast. And he was very, very happy to be there, as were we. So my point being, Mm -hmm. I don't love to rewrite history. I also give people the freedom to have their own history. But my experience of doing the show for the 10 years that we did it was pure joy. This is Hello, Isaac, my podcast about the idea of success and how failure affects it. I'm Isaac Mizrahi, and in this episode, I talk to Emmy-nominated actor and my incredible friend, Mindy Cohn. Hello, Isaac. It's Mindy. Mindy Cohn. Call me back. Yes, I'm coming to New York and we need to dine. Beep. I am about to talk to, like, literally one of my best friends whose name is Mindy Cohn. And here's the thing about podcasts. I think they're just supposed to be, like, really, really good conversation. And so, darlings, stay tuned to this podcast because, if nothing else, Mindy and I can talk, okay? We can talk. And, you know, I'm going to try not to go off on tangents or try to go off on tangents, I can't tell yet. So stay tuned and here we go. Mindy Cohn, hi. Oh God, hi. I just I just get so happy when I see you. Such make me so happy, you know? Ditto, and pal, ditto. I have, to, I have to say, I feel like millions of Americans feel the same way about you. Like you make people smile, you know? Before I start, before you become the subject of this, I have to tell you a story about my mother, okay? Growing up, my mother always told me the story about how when she was a little, little girl, like seven or eight years old, there were like talent scouts who came to Brooklyn and discovered her. They thought she was gorgeous. And her parents were like, she was. Uh-uh. She's not going to Hollywood. She's not going to be a movie star. This is not going to happen. And then later, Shirley Temple happened. And it was apparently those... those talent scouts who discovered Shirley Temple, who were the people who like discovered my mother, her career was thwarted as a fabulous child star and a fabulous star in general. And she kind of still hasn't gotten over it. She'll never get over it. Like she'll literally, (laughs) like literally never get over it. So I tell you that story because, you know, to a lot of people, being a child star is a cautionary tale. And you were a child star. That's how you started in show business. In case anybody doesn't remember, Mindy was a huge child star, right? I mean, darling, the facts of life, that was like everybody in the world, like you are the most famous person. You can't go out of your house, right? So how did you, 
make that story a good story as opposed to the evils of what happened to like young kids who were taken well, off? Well, I, I have mom and dad Cone, first of all, my parents, who this was always what I did, not who I was. And I came home to be their second daughter, Mindy. My mom and dad had full-blown, very successful careers. And this was right. not... As what? What were they? My dad owned and operated an incredible um, paint company. And my, my mom was a real estate lawyer. So they both had wow. very successful careers. And this was my extracurricular activity. Uh, this was not the family's full-time job, was not me. In fact, when we gathered around the dinner table every night, which we did when my dad wasn't traveling, we talk about everybody's day, not mine. And so right. I, I actually, cones being cones, you know, they swung the other way and made sure it wasn't too important. Right. To the point right. that I was just like, I'm doing a good job, right? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me about that a little bit, because this is not like a therapy session or something, but that it had can't to be. be. <laughs> well, it can be. I want it to be. I want you to tell us yeah, what that true. was like for you at the dinner table with the Coens, where they were going blah, 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 and ignoring a little bit that you were literally like the funniest person in America Aww. and you weren't even fucking 13 years old, you know. Well, like, I, I had just turned 13, just been bat mitzvahed uh, right. when Norman and Charlotte discovered me at school. Norman Lear and Charlotte Ray. Okay, go uh, yeah. on. Yeah, oh Norman my God, we're going to drop Uncle thousands Norman of names. and Aunt Charlotte, but go on, go on, go We're going to drop yeah. thousands of names in they this They discovered hour. you. They discovered you. Yes. I like this little bit of history. I do it with okay. everybody, you know? All so, right, okay. So I was at an all-girl private school in Bel Air, California. They came to authenticate the scripts. What's it like to be in all-girl schools? There was a group of students, Dara Perkins, Andrea Navin, and myself. And here come Norman and, and Charlotte and Alan Horn, who's a big wig here in Hollywood and one of the loves of my life. Um, anyway, point being that around the dinner table, it was so not talked about for fear that my parents did not know what we were in for and didn't want me to get a big head, which is, you know, that's also just about anything in my family, right? You don't mm -hmm. want to gloat. You don't want to be a showboat. But it got to the point where around the age of 18 and 19, I, I really thought, I mean, this is kind of a big deal, isn't it? To be uh -huh. on like a hit show. And so it, it made me feel very much, I developed this fabulous trait that I have, good, bad, or indifferent, putting everybody else before me. In fact, my nickname to most of my friends at that time was Oz, behind the curtain, mm -hmm. making things happen for other people. I still carry that suitcase with me. It's lighter. But I definitely still feel I do my best work for other people. I am not a great hustler for myself. I'm not a good self-promoter. Although I did ask you to do this podcast so I can promote my show. <laughs> so it's, see, what a treat. I, I'm getting better. But I still do tend to put people before me. I don't know whether that is a tone trait or a Mindy trait or I was born with it, but it is something that I have struggled with to be honest well, with you. You know, okay, what occurs to me to pull out of you right now is this idea that, you know, you started life in that way. You know, that was the car that brought you to the party, right? Facts of life, Uncle Norman and Aunt Charlotte. I mean, come on, you were living you, you in know Hollywood, what? which is I very rare. What? Very rare. Isaac, I gotta say, I didn't really get to the party until I was 18 or 19. I got to be honest. And really, really wow. when it happened was 16 when James Lapine, again, so serendipitous, which is my life, plucked me out of Hollywood to come right. to New York to do my first show with Eileen Heckart, Stalker Channing, Robert oh Klein, God. Peter Rieger. Right. That right. was my right. first right. thing. Right. To be honest, so that's a 16. Three years into Facts of Life is when I went, oh, okay, this is something. I'm loving this. This feels right. This is a very comfortable wow, coat I'm wearing. Really? Yes. And really? like, oh You're my performing gosh. Performing and memorizing lines and yes, showing up and, and working, learning blocking. And, and working as you have with other talented people around you. And all of a sudden you keep up and you're like, um, I think we're onto something, men. This is kind of fabulous. But you know, but wait a second. Okay, wait, go back, go back. Because when I started, what brought me to the party was fashion. Right. And yeah. people go, oh, he's a fashion designer. I, go, I am not really doing that so much. Of course, I have a collection and I have merchandising and blah, blah, blah. But what I really want to do, you know, I'm trying to make headway into show business. Right. Well, you're not trying because who got on Broadway before me? That would be you, <laughs> uh, which second. I'll never but let darling, you forget. But wait a second. But like one night 
Arnold, my husband, and I were at some gala dinner, right? Who you love. You know Arnold, right? And we were at some dinner, and I won't tell you the name of the actress, but there was an actress there who was really famous in the 70s for being like this iconic figure, right? And he said, oh, darling, I grew up and I loved you. And she looked at him like, would you please stop referring to that? Because I've done so many other things in the world that have brought me acclaim and yet everyone keeps remembering this fucking thing that I did in the 1970s. You understand the, what, I, what I'm posing here to of you? Of course, but what I'm Go saying on. and I'm suggesting, Isaac, is that when you and I became friends, I saw you as mishpuch. We're creatives. Yeah. We're creative brother yes. and sister. And the fact that you did fashion, yes, but that you also sing and perform and act. And yeah. I, I embrace all of that. Why? Because I actually know you. And you know yeah, me. Yeah, but I so mean, you what know- about you, darling? Do you go, like, stop relying on the fucking facts of life to identify me because I'm so much more? Does that ever happen to you? Do you well, feel that? Well, I am now 57, almost 58. I now mm-hmm. think it's darling because it's like Fonzie's jacket under glass. It's not me. <laughs> it's not, right? Fonzie, it, 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 it's wow, a piece. Yes. Well, it's a piece of memorabilia. I am that to them. What it's yeah. done is hindered my career. It's gotten me chances. It's been both. It, mm-hmm. it gets me right. wonderful tables at restaurants. It uh, put, brings a smile to people's faces. It's uh, sometimes a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. All of it. Point being that it is 10 years of my life. And I'm not going to discount it, especially if it brings pleasure to people. Ten years. Do you know, like, what do we think of as the most successful TV sitcom in the entire world? Like, I don't know what you say, but I I can't think of any sitcoms that were on for ten seasons or nine seasons or whatever. I mean, that is Olympian, darling. Olympian. It's it's lovely. There's a few others that are quite wonderful. But even Friends. I mean, how long was Friends? Friends was what, like seven seasons or eight seasons? I think it was close to 10. I could be oh, wrong. Was? I don't okay. know. I don't, I don't know. know. We don't, I don't know. know. We're not historians that way. That's Tell right. me about being that age and mm-hmm. the work ethic. Isaac, I will tell you, we had an extraordinary experience being the last of Norman Lear's shows. Why? Because they worked very much as he always brought his favorite stage actors into TV sitcom land. And so we treated it as work. It was a job. So again, it was what we did, not who we were. But we very much went to work. We had a blast, but it was work. And none of us thought it was something else. Now, you talk to other people our age that were working at that time. I mean, the sun and rose with them putting on their pants in the morning. And so we didn't live like that. We enjoyed what we did. We meaning the cast of the show or you and your family or everybody? Me and the cast. And I think that's one of the reasons people saw the chemistry that the four of us had is because the chemistry was not the four of us as Mindy, Lisa, Kim, and Nancy, Mm -hmm. but as the characters, because we were working. And so I do think, not that we took ourselves seriously, but I think we were always kind of shocked that other people were not having our experience, that it was playtime and they were indulged and they were spoiled and they were... We had none of that. We clocked in. We were just the on-camera version (laughs) of our 100-people crew. It's like what Betty Davis always said. She said, we showed up on time. We made our marks. We set our lines. We went home. That's what she always said. But wait, so you never felt any kind of pressure or anything, right? The pressure I felt was that I was going to my own school instead of studio school. It's where my mom put her foot down. I was going to this very prestigious college prep school. So I went to school in the morning, did first through fourth periods. My granny Rose took her lunch break from Saks Fifth Avenue, where she ran the fur department. Miss you, oh, granny. I love this so much. Granny Rose running the fur department. And slept me in her- In LA, by the way. In the LA. fur department in LA. Okay, that is not yes. to be missed. Okay, go on. Um, Her clients were Lucille Ball, Toadie Fields. Yeah, we, we can talk about that at, at nauseum. Pull up in her brown Monte Carlo and drive me down Sunset Boulevard to the studio, dropped me off, where I worked all afternoon, got picked up and driven home and had four hours of homework to get ready for school the next day. I was exhausted. When the show ended, I was 21. I looked at my mom and I said, I am exhausted. She said, men, dad and I talk about this all the time. You have lived a life like you're 40 already. I mean, listen, I had once in a lifetime experiences every day. No doubt. All right. Wait a minute. Lucy, 
Lucille yes. Ball, you mentioned her name. Yes. I saw a quote somewhere. Well, you know my story about her. She once told you that you were the funniest girl in America. This is what she said. So, like, you didn't feel a little bit of pressure like, oh, shit, now what? You know, you didn't, Lucy says I'm funny. Now what the oh, fuck my God. do I do? You never no, it's that? the opposite. It's like, die. I mean, we've ascended. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I never felt the pressure to be funny. Why? We had amazing writers and we had a pedigree of being a Norman Lear show. Now, this is one of the things right. that, I have a difference of opinion. I've started to talk about it because Isaac, again, 57, I'm going through a thing. And I think with this new show, I just want to stop protecting people. You know, I have a little beef to pick with Mr. Clooney, who was on our show for three seasons, who I have amazing stories about, who Facts of Life, at the time he was doing it, transformed him, meaning he paid his rent for a year. He was a working Uh, actor. You know, Mm -hmm. and I understand it was not MASH. Okay, we were not right. some like, you know, <laughs> right? Like, uh, oh, and I get that. So but you know what? I'm so taken aback sometimes when I hear him diss his experience because, yes, it was not our ER, this dramatic, famous, fabulous thing, yeah. but he was funny. He was darling. Yes, and if memory was. serves, may, may I say my memory, not his, but we disagree. We had a blast. And granted, it might not have been his most fulfilling job, but it certainly, at the time we were doing it, he was very, very happy to be there, as were we. So my point being, Mm -hmm. I don't love to rewrite history. I also give people the freedom to have their own history. But my experience of doing the show for the 10 years that we did it was pure joy. And I think if you talk to Nancy specifically, because she and I are kind of still Mm -hmm. very close friends, she will tell you the same thing. And the other two girls as well, that it is a very cherished piece of our life that was not only enjoyable, but we're proud of it, you know? Oh my God, so much. Yeah, well, I I think what you were getting at with what you experienced. But I know, but I know. People tend to like want to poo-poo it. This is totally, and this is just why I brought it up, because I feel like, you know, at some point, it does happen in kind of middle age, where you just go like, all right, everybody, I'm over this. It's so tedious already. It's so boring already that I have moved on. Like, you just move on and you don't care, you know? I think that's wonderful about it, you know? Can you just explain to me, like, you were born in Bel Air. You were born in L.A. Born in L.A. LA. Born born and raised. Cones. I'm sorry, I don't mean to ask, but most of the Jews that we know came from the East Coast and ended up going against their will or because they wanted to to L.A. Tell me. My mom is an East Coaster. My mom's side comes from Chicago and New York and is still my New York connection, which is why New York raised me as well. It's sort of very bicoastal because of my mother. But my dad, and here's the most gorgeous part, my grandma, Sarah, and Isidore are also born Angelinos. We have deep roots here in Los Angeles on my dad's side. Your grandparents' names are Sarah and Isidore? Yes. Guess what my mother's name is, Sarah? Guess what my father's name is, Isidore? I wanted to tell you that. Sorry. Now we you are know. very related. Holy hell. What the hell? So oh my there, God. There, there is always an East Coast. And by the time I was 16, I was spending almost every summer and every winter break in New York. And I have to say, without New York, I don't think I would still be in this business. I don't think I would have the esteem I have for the career that I have. And I don't think I right. would be the person I am. So I, I do have to say, as much as I love being an Angelino. I also, you know, it's one of those things I tell people, I love New York. Here's the ticket. New York loves me back. Mm -hmm. New York doesn't love everybody back. And I get that. And for some reason, that's that city went. Yeah, kid. You. New York, every time I'm in the city, it kisses me on the forehead and says, you're home. You're good. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that because we know each other mostly from hanging out in New York City and not really in L.A. Darling, speaking of you and the East Coast and your life as a young adult, right? Like you finished Facts of Life, right? And you took a hiatus to go to university. Is that right? I did. Like you had to go like, hey, stop. I need to educate myself, right? I just actually needed a break is really the thing. And it it wasn't even about going to college, although I always wanted to, and that's fine. But it's not even about that. It really was about, do I want to be doing this still? And also 21 is such a weird age, as you well know, if you've had some success, 
I started experiencing that sort of, oh my gosh, we love Mindy, but we don't want Natalie in our movie. And I felt like I needed (laughs) sort of a break so that if I was going to come back, it was going to be, you know, something. I, I also think, and it's very important, it's why I still am a voracious reader and why my friends do all kinds of things is, you know, to me, no one's really interesting unless they're interested. And I've always been very interested in the world around me, not just what I do for a living. And so I've always been that person to want to explore other things, travel, read voraciously. It was not only important, but it was vital, especially an an actor and a career. Mm -hmm. You want to try and pivot as much as you can. And the world of show, especially TV land, doesn't want you to pivot. They want you in your lane. So, you know, honestly, to talk about this 40 years later, I'm not only so proud of myself, but you and I have talked about this privately where I had this mentor group, God knows, again, so serendipitously, through Elaine Heckart, I met Elaine Stritch and Jerry Page and Ruth Gordon, and the West Coast version was B. Arthur and Cloris and Betty White. And these mentors of mine who became mentors, we were like a coven. And even though they were 40 years my senior, mm-hmm. they always talked to me about my age now. So Isaac, here's the gorgeousness of this life that I'm living, is that I am the age now that they were when they met me. And this is the age they wow. told me when I was 20, not when you want to hear it, kid. Mm. Boy, your 50s and 60s and 70s are going to be so amazing because just you're not going to realize your career. And this is coming from Jerry Page, who had won an Oscar in her right, 70s. Right. Ruth, same thing, right? Eileen still working until the day she dropped. And obviously, Cloris was here and B was here and Betty was here. But it, it is not lost on me at the ripe old age of 57 and last year, obviously, 56, when I booked Palm Royale, that I am the age they were now and their prophecy, should I say prophecy? Poi mm-hmm. poi. Has, has started to come true. But here it comes. Here it comes. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up! And call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Did it ever occur to you that you could do something else or would want to do something else? Like what if you did want to be what? A A doctor. A psychiatrist or a doctor. Emergency surgeon. Or a writer or something. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Is there ever a part of you that goes, you know, I wanted to be a ballerina and I was cast as Natalie and then (laughs) the end is the rest is history. The doctor thing has come back and and ruled it. There have been many times when I went back to get a graduate degree that I thought, you know, if you wanted to be a nurse practitioner, now would be the time. I mean, now my brain is shot, so there's no way. I then thought, oh, I should join like, you know, the Peace Corps and go. And instead, yeah, life happens. And for me, I became less courageous and less confident that I could go to school and study for nine years and do it. And gratefully, jobs kept coming. 
Were they as notorious as facts of life? No, I think that's one of the biggest misunderstandings the world has of me in that, you know, well, it's her choice she's not working. I have worked for the last 40 years, just mm-hmm. not maybe in things that everybody has seen for right. the level of facts of life. For but 10 years, on gratefully, once a week for 10 years. Yeah. I have supported myself as an actor for my whole life. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, Mindy, that's a very esteemable thing to have happen, right? And it sort of makes you keep going. But darling, the other misconception, at least f- for me, you know, I think, okay, she's on the show that has been syndicated for fucking, what, like 30 years, right? Isn't the royalty, like, all I know about are like Ross and Rachel and blah, blah. They never have to work another day in their life. Because right. They we, don't, on... we don't make a dollar. How is that possible? We haven't made a dollar. Why is because this now? The, the con- it's why we, we had a strike 25 years ago. And it's why Jennifer Aniston and, and th- they all make millions of dollars in residuals now because we went on a strike 25 years ago. And that was one of the points. Mm-hmm. But why don't you make residuals? What the fuck? Why can't you make residuals on Facts of Life? Because the schedule, the contract was made. There are blocks of Facts of Life, you know, oh, blocks honey. on whatever network you turn on. I know. So we're still on all over the world. I it, know. It's just that the, the year the contract started preempted us us doing that. I so see. again, I do think that people think we're sitting on this these piles of gold coins up our asses. <laughs> um, it couldn't right. be further from the truth. And so I think, again, talking about why I do what I do, I am a creative proudly. I have mm. been able to support myself, not from facts of life, oddly mm. enough. Right. Uh, this is the amazing yeah. thing, my dear. This is the great thing. Thank you. Well, it makes me it makes me proud because my best friend Tara Carcian, who's also been a character actor since she was eighteen, we go this road together. I think we're journeymen. You know, we are that middle class actor that people talk about. That yes, I may have a famous face, and my fame index is higher than Tara's sometimes. However, the fact that we have consistently worked, you know, yeah. throughout our yes. lives, it's, working it's, actors, it's, darling, working actors, which is working. so not glamorous. It's I mean, because you honestly like. You did voiceover work. You did fucking like you. I mean, you did some stuff, you know. Talk to me about the voiceover thing. Is that fun? Do you like that? Oh, yes. It's beyond fun. And what's so interesting is Natalie sometimes is talked about as, oh, my God, you've played an iconic character. Well, really, the iconic character I've played is Velma Dinkley. Velma? For 15 years. Who, by the way, you look so much like Velma. It's so crazy. (laughs) I love that. Did she style herself after Velma or did they style Velma after you is what I want to know. Actually, I style myself around Edna from The Incredibles. Well, darling, wait a second. Do you know something? You can call the people who created Edna. I don't know who they are, but apparently I am one of the people who was inspiring to them for, I'm serious, darling. I am not kidding. Edna, it's funny that you should pick her out because Edna is everything. Well, when we were styling Anne Holiday, my character in the new show, Palme Royale, one of the hairdressers said, so we're going to wig you. Do you have an idea? And I said, I want to be a cross between Edith Head and Edna from The Incredibles. Well, Edith Head is definitely in there. And she died laughing and she <laughs> and she said, done. Wow. Wow. Done. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of what we talk about on this podcast is this idea mm-hmm. of like failure. And yes. um, was there ever something that you failed at that you learned something from? I mean, you've worked oh, consistently. Darling, but I have failed miserably at love relationships. And I say Ooh. fail and I use that term loosely in that I've had wonderful men in my life and, and I've had all of it and then some. And by the way, I do have to say the height of optimism is that I can be 58 and never been married, which mm-hmm. I hope to meet my Arnold. And so having said that, I find it very exciting to still have a first mm-hmm. in front of me. Mm-hmm. And so that's that. But no, I personal relationships, as far as friendships, are tremendous. Um, but the love thing has been challenging for me. I used to be attracted to projects and I used to be attracted to men right, to who people weren't who were men. Projects. Mm-hmm. Yeah, weren't men. They were boys and mm-hmm. needed a mommy. And that was so unattractive to me. The last thing, you know, if I want to be a mommy, I'd have a kid. You know, I'd, mm-hmm. I don't want that. So these incredible love affairs that I've had, 
have been lovely, but ended in exactly the same way. This has stopped being good for me because I don't want to mother you. I want to be in relationship with you. And so that's not been the big win for me in my life. And I I don't call them failures, but yeah, they're failures, right? I mean, something you want that you don't get. Uh, Well, yes, except we know each other really well. And you began Mm -hmm. the answer to this question by saying, well, you know, I have failed. And the thing is, I don't, Mindy, you have to tell me about that because you're single, you live alone, you don't have kids. I think she went check, check and check. I don't want any of that shit, you know, because it is a lot to deal with. It will impede you. It will hold you back. But do you see that more as a virtue or more as a drawback? Tell me a little. Let's delve into this. I mean, honestly, it's neither. And I mean, only you will get this reference, which also makes me happy and makes me sad at the same time. Mary Wicks. Do you remember character actress Uh, Mary Mary Wicks? Wicks? Excuse me. Yes, I do, darling. Hello. She was on Dick Cavett and he was asking her, you know, you're single, you never had children. Like, what is that? Mm -hmm. And she said, she didn't say this, but this is my version of what Mary Wicks said. I've never felt that I needed to be whole unless I was part of a pair. A lot of women feel that way. Say that again. I'm not whole unless I'm part of a pair. I have never felt felt that way. way. She did not. She did not feel that way. God. And I do not feel that way. And I know a lot of women do, right? If I don't have Mm -hmm. that him or her, whatever right. your persuasion or them, yes. or them, mm-hmm. them, they, her, I'm not. You're fulfilled. not I, and, and Mary Wick said this so beautifully without sort of giving him attitude about it, where she said, mm. I have the most delicious friends. I invited many glamorous places for every holiday. I have a wonderful mm-hmm. family of friends and I have put as much energy and maternal energy into those relationships. So I'm not coming from a deficit of having never had I'm coming from a place, Mindy is coming from a place of excitement about what's to come. And whether that is waiting for my ship to come in and a little Pollyanna, so be it. That is truly Mm -hmm. how I feel. There are gratefully so many of us now, I I channel my dear friend, Tracy Ellis Ross, my friend Tara. There's a bunch of us who have had these big, wonderful lives looking for love, but not to the Mm -hmm. point where it is going to be like, boy, is our life suck. You know me, I'm a voracious traveler. I have these wonderful friends that I cultivate and put energy into. And you know what, Isaac? He's out there and he will find me. Because when I look and I go find, Mindy no good at that. He has to find Mindy. He will find you. One second. I have to bring this up because... Oh, no. I I have to bring this up because I feel like a lot of people listening might go... So you say you feel that it's coming and that you don't feel like you, but at some point, do you go, what have I done wrong? Because I feel like a lot oh, of people God, yes. think, well, you what have to... I done wrong? Am of I course... fat? Is my hair the wrong color? No. What do I do? Why my glasses? You talked about failure. First of all, it's never been about my looks or my age or my this, because God bless them. Here comes the gossip. You see some of these, for lack of a better term, reality shows. And it's like, she gets him. Like, right? We've all seen those people on the street where it's like, really? He even found somebody? Like, oh my God. But that's the most ridiculous thing. But let's talk about like responsibility that we take for this stuff, you know? But Isaac, I want to go back to when you said failing. There was a period in my 30s and early 40s, especially, that I saw if it was something I could not get, that it was a failure. Aging into when you learn more about not only yourself, but how the world works, how your life works. And listen, I am a little spiritual. You don't need to rub a Buddha and light a candle, but I've got what I believe in. That Mm -hmm. what is meant for me is meant for me, and what is not is not. And I don't believe that whatever the universe, God, the sun, a dolphin, whatever you believe in, (laughs) is we are not meant to be alone. And so I experience existential aloneness, you bet. I experience, mm-hmm. oh God, I don't want to be that drab Auntie Mindy who's like, oh God, we got to invite Mindy. She has nowhere to go. You know, those fears are real. But my yeah. experience tells me that I am additive and that wherever he is, he's out there having whatever life he's having. I mean, the first mm-hmm. thing I am going to do is go, where the fuck have you been? But, um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. the truth of the matter is it's not for me now. And do I think it's coming? Yeah, I do. I mean, I would be an idiot 
not to think so. I have a lot of life left to live. By the way, that is the biggest misunderstanding, we'll call it, that was ever given to me by the world in my 20s and 30s. The boy in your 50s and 60s and 70s, I mean, you know, it's kind of over. Isaac? Well. It's the, I am having such the opposite experience. I cannot start to begin to tell you, and you know this. Firsthand, you've seen me. The best is yet to come. No kidding. Well, I It's been happening. Well, I know. And not merely as an artist, but also in your personal life, too. I was very close friends with a woman who met the guy of her life, like in her late 50s, and she married him in her late 50s. And, you know... Yes. It was short. We talked about her. Died, but <laughs> uh, yeah. the guy died recently like, and it wasn't so pretty, but they had a great like 15 years together. You know? Well, and my friend Marjorie um, experienced the same thing. I have women in my life who met their love of their life very late in life and they yeah. were successful career women and Listen. And there are so many things that you learn as a person that you bring to a relationship that you would not necessarily know in your 20s and 30s, which actually end up corroding, corroding, corroding the relationship. So oh my trust God. me, you're ahead of the game. Thank God I didn't meet him. Oh, thank God I didn't meet him in my 40s. You're ahead of the game. It would have been a nightmare. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You have very far-reaching tentacles in the world socially, right? Yes, you, Like correct. Josh and Brent, for instance. Like, how the hell did you meet Josh and Brent? Josh well, because I'm a fag hag run... since I was 13. <laughs> Wait, what's the name of their company? I forgot. Beekman, 1802. Beekman, exactly, because it's so great. And I use a lot of their products. But how did you meet them? And what is that all about? Are you partners or something? No, we are not partners. I mean, I have a face that says, oh, come tell me everything and I'll tell you everything. And I really don't want to know anything about you. Right. All right. And I'm very <laughs> private. And when I say private, I don't mean secretive. I don't live in secrecy, but I do really protect my privacy. And one of those things I protect are my friendships. Why? Because we all have public private. And Josh and Brent are a perfect example. You know, they are a brand and they sell based on who people think they are and know them to be. And do I know them as those people? You bet. But I also know them privately. And so I think that's why I have such incredible friendships with whether they're very famous, very wealthy, very beautiful, very whatever, because I don't talk about it. And I, even though, you know, I'm an Instagram hoe and I love it. It's not that it isn't my real life, but I'm very careful about how much I put out there 
about that. So these friendships come by very honestly and very similar to you and I. Mm-hmm. You look at each other and you're like, you're my person. The only way I can describe it is how these women like Eileen and Elaine and Jerry and Ruth and Cloris looked at me 40 years their junior and went, yeah, you and I, we're, we're the same people. My picker happens to pick gay men. I've been a fag hat since I was 13. And or like, for instance, I read on your curriculum vitae somewhere or whatever it was yes. that you are the godmother of Angelina Jolie and Brad's kids. Is that I right? know. I know. It's How like did that so happen? out there. I, I, so it's hilarious. I, Between the goats in, 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 in Vermont and fucking yeah. like the Brangelina kids in Brentwood. I mean, yeah. like, how does this well, go on? It, how it, does this it, go on, darling? It goes on and it permeates and it turns into gossip and fair. And what people don't realize is there's real people behind all of that. And yeah. so I discuss none of it. You know okay. what I'm saying? I mean, I do. I just think it's really important to just it's all just such bullshit <laughs> i just want to know what christmas is like like shay cone well you saw where i was for christmas i was in palm beach with brent and yes. josh and jonathan adler and simon Doonan. Right. that's where yes. i was with my boys well there you so go so go go figure where's the glam in that although we did have a glamorous time you know you have a few projects mindy you have like a series coming out right and it's on apple tv it's on apple tv and it's star studded but also you have a movie though you have a movie that you just wrapped or that you just premiering or what darling obviously palm royale this series on apple tv is is an embarrassment of riches in every way the my part Anne holiday she's divine and delicious but the mm-hmm. cast is stupid i mean it's just dumb Kristen Wiig, Allison Janney, Laura Dern, oh, Josh mean, Lucas, on. Ricky Martin, Carol Burnett. Come on. Kaya Gerber. Wow. I mean, it just keeps giving. <sighs> Julia Duffy. And so I'm just out of my mind for this to come out for a variety of reasons. I'm so proud mm-hmm. of it. Abe Sylvia, our showrunner, has changed my life. What can I say? Well, can I tell you what has changed my life is seeing you in some of that period wardrobe, which is <laughs> Absolutely life-altering, darling. Tell me about that. I know you have like a real interest in clothes, right? What was that like for you? First of all, it's like late 60s, early 70s, right? Is that the period? Yeah. It is. It is. It's 1969. Okay, so it's 1969 and you were Palm Beach. Whoever did that styling is really, really smart. Because literally, I knew it was like 1969, not 1971 or 68. I knew it was like 1969. So what was that like? Where did you go? Did you find clothes? Did they make stuff for you? Alex did both, found and made. My character is sort of this, even though in the country club set, not ramped up. I mean, there are designer duds on Kristen and Allison that will make your jaw drop. But a lot of it was found and a lot of it was actually made with vintage fabrics. All of it, our art direction, our sets, it's just sublime. The cars that we get to drive. I mean, every department wow. came with the goods. Wow. Yeah, what, where did it's it going to be delicious. Where did it shoot? How long it, were you shooting? We shot for six months in Los Angeles. Wow. Everything kind of duped for Palm Beach. Gratefully, all the producers who didn't want to give Florida money. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> Good for you. Wow. And so you were quite lucky that you got to shoot in your hometown. Like that is really, really lucky for so many people that have to migrate to LA or migrate to New York or something like that. Right. Yeah. Um, so talk about that a little bit. There's nothing more glamorous than pulling up onto the Paramount lot parking your car and walking to a stage where you know. (laughs) I mean, and all the trailers with everybody's name on it. And it is, it's sort of like you want to just have someone pinch you and just go, is this still happening? I still get such a rush, as does everyone else, right? It's very Joan Crawford, like pulling up, signing autographs, let's go. The other thing I think about is that's very glamorous, darling. Like, when is this going to happen? Like, when we have, like, how long a run on Broadway? maybe like a year in like a main starring role. And you just like pull up to the theater every damn night in New York City on Broadway in that. So there are a few fantasies, You know, it's my darling. dream. Oh, yeah. Uh, listen, it is, I'm making right? it a reality. Everyone talks about what do you want? I want a Tony. That is right. my, that's my peak. That's my pinnacle. I want eight shows a week and I want to be wow. Tony nominated. You don't have like performance anxiety or imposter syndrome? Tell no. Me. I have to say every time I am on stage, 
And I thank James Lapine for it because it started with his production of Table Settings, which I was a part of mm-hmm. eons ago. Um, I am not nervous. I am in my element. I get excited. And you know me, God I'm also damn. just an uber fan. Anything live is life-giving. And so to be a part of that on stage, I look forward to it. I really do. I cannot wait. I don't know what it's like. I don't know what role it is. I don't care. That is completely aspirational. How do you, darling, how, what accounts for that? Can you tell me, like, was that good parenting again? Like, well, what the I, hell? I, how I, do you miss stage fright? How do you I, miss that? What's in interesting life? is I'm more nervous on a movie set. I'm more nervous when there are 100 people waiting for you and it's your turn. Mm-hmm. And you come and you got to bring the goods. Right. To me, that is much more nerve wracking than having rehearsed with an ensemble. And once the stage manager gives you your cue to go on stage, it's all you. You're in control. It's the only place an actor's in control is on stage. Everything else is the director's running it, the producer's running it, the work, you know? And so that to me is more nerve wracking to be on a set where you've got crew going, boy, I'd like to go to lunch. Hope she knows her shit. (laughs) <laughs> you know what I, I mean? No, I mean, you know, one of the great quotes of all time is from Elaine Stritch. I think it was something like the most terrifying word in the English language is places. Oh, that's so funny. Well, this is a gift Cloris gave me, which I will pass on to you because I know that you'll be on stage much sooner than I will. Tell me. Cloris says, what happens physically to you when you get nervous? And I said, oh my God, my stomach drops. I feel like I have to poop. I have a little flop sweat. My heart races. She goes, all right. Tell me what happens physically when you get excited. And I said, well, you know, my stomach drops. I kind of have to poop. And she goes, right? And your stomach and your heart races and you get a little flop sweat. And I go, yes. And she goes, yeah, it's the same thing, honey. It's called excitement. Some asshole told you that's nerves. It's excitement. Changed my life. Changed my life. Yeah. I love that story. Miss Leachman. Great. We love you. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hi, I'm Cindy Crawford, and I'm the founder of Meaningful Beauty. Well, I don't know about you, but, like, I never liked being told, oh, wow, you look so good for your age. Like, why even bother saying that? Why don't you just say you look great at any age, every age? That's what Meaningful Beauty is all about. We create products that make you feel confident in your skin at the age you are now. Meaningful Beauty. Beautiful skin at every age. Learn more at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. This is a big, big, big question going way, 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 way back. Two things. Who was the most unbelievable person you ever worked with who you just adored and who was the worst? And maybe if you don't want to say who the worst was, you could say, well, it was an actor. And we're all kind of go, hmm, you know, tell us the stories. Could you tell us those two stories? I could. And I have one and I will name names. I have no pride. Ah! I I have to say my favorite has been one of the most recent to work with Kristen Wiig (gasps) and Allison Janney 
and Carol oh. Burnett. I'd have to kind of put them all on equal ground, believe it or not. But especially Kristen, I think when people see her, how brilliant you think she is, is nothing compared. She has a monologue in the last episode, episode 10, that is a masterclass. And we got to see her do it all day. And each take was more breathtaking than the last. We were all in tears and laughing. I mean, she's so incredible. Mm -hmm. And Allison Janney has been on my list of actresses. Oh, yeah. Who you want to work with. So much to learn from Allison Janney. And guess what? It's all deserved. It's all for a reason. Like, yep. Yep. She deserves all of it and more. Uh, So I have to say that my worst experience. Do you know Anson Williams, who was on Happy Days? Vaguely, yes. He played Potsy. Yes. He directed an episode of a series that I did. And he embarrassed me in front of the crew. And and he didn't have to. And he did. And and it kept going. And I just not only didn't deserve that, no actress deserves that. And it was him trying to get what he needed. And I was just not able to do it in the moment. And a good director would see that and pivot or come back to it. Mm -hmm. There's a list of things. Mm -hmm. He did none of them. And I remember going off that set so dejected and so upset. Uh. And I just thought there was absolutely no reason for someone to do that to anybody. No, Um, it's a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. So I have to say that was kind of the worst experience I've ever had on a set. And it was, you know, he did it. Well, tell me, speaking of directors, because that's a big part of your process, Mm -hmm. right? Especially, Mm -hmm. you know, you began this whole thing. Before we tape the episode, the producer who works with us says, oh, you know, how do you like to be presented? Is it Mindy Cohn, actor, writer, producer, blah, blah. And you said, no, actor, right? Yet, I really feel that if you create a character, darling, you are kind of producing or writing or something. You are giving your bit to it. Talk about that for a minute because you're creating something, right? What's the difference between writing and that? Well, I... I have produced for sure, and it, it's definitely a different skill set. But I think sometimes actors are a little too self hating, and I'm just not one of them. I think not enough is given to what actors are asked to do because sometimes it looks so easy. Well, that means they're doing a good job. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a talent there, there's a skill there. And yeah. sometimes it is perceived as, well, it's just her personality, or she has a cute voice, or, you know, Well, her face just looks like that. All those things are true, (laughs) but it also is a skill. It's why people, when they see my face, going back to how we started this conversation, Mm -hmm. see me and smile is so darling. It has nothing to do with me. It has to do with a character I played in their youth. And Mm -hmm. whether you want to give kudos to that or not, I can tell you that Natalie and Mindy are very different people. And, And I take that as a compliment that I actually did something, right? So even though I was discovered, and yes, the 13-year-old Mindy is very similar to the 13-year-old Natalie, but given the next couple of years and seasons, they're very different. And that's acting. And I think sometimes people don't talk about it because it does sound so precious and weird and I don't know. It's a funny thing because a writer does what he does. A producer does what he does. A director does what he does. And then an actor kind of takes all that stuff and gives it the actual three dimensions and the voice and the Mm -hmm. whole physicalization and the whole heart and soul and warmth or coldness or something. Yes. You know? Yes. All right. So Mindy, darling, (laughs) one thing I ask everybody on my podcast, and this Mm -hmm. is something you might want to give it a minute and think about it. I ask them about their obituary because, you know, I'm obsessed with obituaries, right? I do. Do you have an idea about what your obituary would mean? What would it be about? Mm -hmm. Tell me. Thank you. Wait, what? That would be your obituary? Just thank Mm -hmm. you? Thank you. Oh my God. Like, thank you. Yeah. You've been a great audience. <laughs> I mean, like nothing more. Like, <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, it can mean a variety of things, but to me, it encompasses almost 99% of what I'm about. Gratitude. Gratitude, awareness of what has right. been given to me, awareness of what I've put out. Um, oh, Jesus. Yeah. Thank you. 
period. Wow. I'm big about punctuation. (laughs) Wow. This is a great answer. I never thought of it. Like what I like about it is that it is short and that it is so meaningful and you really can't come for it. Like I might come for it, but I can't. I can't think of like a way to come for that. It's like the most beautiful thing anybody said. No, because a lot of times artists will say, oh, so surprisingly, I want to be remembered as a good person or a good mom or a good dad or mm. whatever it is. And I'm like, what? Are you people crazy? And I can come for that a little bit, even though it is the right answer. Like, that's a great answer. But thank you, man. That is. Yeah. Well, it's also because all those things that they want to be remembered for, they already will. That is their legacy, right? Our legacy. Right. Listen, you are a part of my legacy. I'm a part of yours. When people right. talk, when I talk about you to people. I'm expressing how much I love you and who you are to me, vice versa. That's legacy. Okay, Whether you're famous or not. <laughs> okay, come for me. Thank I love you. you. Thank you is like what you see on your tombstone. Thank you, Mindy Cohn, right? If someone would say, like, right, you're asked this in a variety of ways. I think of the James Lipton. When you go to God and he's answered the pearly gates, yeah. what do you want to say? Thank yeah. you. Thank you know, you. I mean, that, great- that. Oh, man, that just makes me feel so good. That made me smile again, like I'm really smiling inside. If I'm not smiling on my face, I'm smiling a huge, big old, you know that Marc Jacobs sweater with the big smiley face from when he started? That's an eating cheese smile. smile. That's a big smile, exactly. Darling, you're amazing. You want to promote something? I do. Podcast? I, obviously, I obviously want to promote Palm Royale on Apple TV, absolutely. Okay. The when does it without- air? It, March 20th. Start streaming. Okay. Um, Ooh, I and can't wait. Yes, the movie that I did with Al Pacino called Billy will come out next year as well. And the last thing is I'm doing this event in New York City on April 27th. It's called Conversations with Prime Women. It's amazing. Ooh. There's a website. I'm going to give it to you to promote. And that's okay. it. That is my shameless Can I come? Plug. Do I get to come to your show? Oh, my God. If you would, it would make me so happy. I'm a prime woman hold... myself, darling. I'm a prime woman. The primest. <laughs> the primest. I love you. I love you. I mean it. I love you. Ditto. Oh, that was great. Ditto. Well, this happens quite often. You know, when I finish an interview with somebody, I think, oh gosh, like I have so many other things I want to talk to them about. But really, in Mindy's case, I have pages and pages of questions that we did not even scratch the surface on. But I think what we did get to was so incredibly interesting, mind-boggling. There were so many things that caught my attention, particularly about how she dealt with her early success and how, you know, the parents and the entire family were sort of a little blasé about it all, you know? I think that really kind of set her up for the life she's leading now and for the kind of menschy way that she approaches the world. You know, like if Mindy Cohn is nothing else, she is a mensch. I'm so glad you got to see that side of my incredible friend, Mindy, which by the way, sounds like a really good idea for a series. My incredible friend, Mindy, right? Anyway, I'm glad you were here. Thank you. (laughs) Darlings, if you enjoyed this episode... Do me a favor and tell someone, tell a friend, tell your mother, tell your cousin, tell everyone you know, okay? And be sure to rate the show. I love rating stuff. Go on and rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts so more people can hear about it. It makes such a gigantic difference and like it takes a second. So go on and do it. And if you want more fun content videos, and posts of all kinds, follow the show on Instagram and TikTok at Hello Isaac Podcast. And by the way, check me out on Instagram and TikTok at I am Isaac Mizrahi. This is Isaac Mizrahi. Thank you. I love you. And I never thought I'd say this, but goodbye, Isaac. Hello, Isaac is produced by Imagine Audio, Awfully Nice, and I Am Entertainment for iHeartMedia. The series is hosted by me, Isaac Mizrahi. Hello, Isaac is produced by Robin Gelfenbein. The senior producers are Jesse Burton and John Asante. It is executive produced by Ron Howard, Brian Grazer, Cara Welker, and Nathan Clokey at Imagine Audio. Production management from Katie Hodges. 
Sound design and mixing by Cedric Wilson. Original music composed by Ben Walzer. A special thanks to Neil Phelps and Sarah Katanak at IM Entertainment. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You've probably heard a lot about electrified vehicles lately. Well, Toyota has electrified options for every lifestyle. We've got hybrids, no plug needed. Right, let's go. But we also have plug-in hybrids, if that's your thing. <laughs> you can even go 100% electric in the Toyota BZ4X. With so many options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified, diversified. Oh, oh. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero.